What's up, guys? Welcome to episode. What's up, guys? And well, what kind of sexist shit dude, is that? Dude, <laughs> I was gonna announce it later. Okay, okay just wait sorry, a second, all right, John. All right. all right, take two. What's up, guys? <laughs> Welcome to episode eighty-two of the Movie Schmovie Podcast. Uh, that's got to make the cut, by the yeah, way. Right. <laughs> uh, this is our eighty-second episode. Like I just said, eighty-two. Um, it comes after eighty-one. Oh, what? And uh, this episode is going to be a really exciting one because we're talking about uh, one of my favorite movies of the year. Mm-hmm. I just said that, and we're also going to be talking about a list of films yes. that happen to be some of my favorite movies of all time, and that would be the Spectacular Now is the film. Yes. And the genre is teen films. Absolutely. But uh, to start us off, let's kind of just talk about this movie, Spectacular Now, which is currently in a limited release across the country, mm-hmm. uh, rolling out to wider release over the probably the next couple of weeks. But um, this is a movie that is a, I don't know, teen rom-drom with a little bit of calm, yeah. maybe. Uh, no Zom. No Zom. Not, yeah. not, not in this one. Maybe Both. in the director's cut. Right. I'm waiting for that one. Sometimes. Um yeah, so I don't know. You, wanna... you, could, you could argue that Kyle Chandler was playing sort of a zombie, but, <laughs> but not quite. But yeah, Spectacular Now. But before we get to the movie, The Spectacular Now, we might want to talk about what's going on in the movie schmovie headquarters. That right now is kind of spectacular. spectacular now. Exactly okay. right. We have a guest. That's right, we do. Some, some old school movie schmovie listeners may remember her from... I don't know what episode it Such was. Such episodes as something, something, and <laughs> I another. believe it was twelve. Oh, oh, she's obviously looked. Because I up. listened to it today. She definitely caught up on herself and said, "What did I do good? Yeah. And what did I do great? <laughs> Let me do them again." Is probably how she thought of it, knowing her. But yeah, Lauren, friend of mine, Ronald's, Hello. Uh, recently of John's. She yes. met a couple times at some screenings. They got uh, your right in. You demanded me back. They yeah. knew. No, we actually had a lot of people write in and say, keep her away for at least like 70 some episodes. And I think we just crossed that threshold where we're legally allowed to bring her back. The triumphant return. Yeah. I'm back. She's usually the conversation that we bring her in for like horror movies, I think was what yeah. we did last time, right? Yes. But I too was a teenager. Yes. Weird. <laughs> I actually thought about that. Very so, unique. I actually thought about that in relation to this episode, which is right. that this will be the first list we've made like this where we've all been... We haven't all been villains, right? We haven't yeah. all, you know, been some of these other things, but we have. We've all been teenagers, so it definitely, like, you know, write what you know, reveal what you know. As well. yeah. But I was just gonna say that when you when you said to me, you know, what do you think about having Lauren come in? Yeah. Do you think maybe she could talk about movies with us? And I thought to myself, all I've ever seen Lauren do is hang around in a parking lot after we've watched a movie and shout about the movie. So I have a feeling she's got opinions about movies. That'd be pretty interesting. I do. And my area of expertise is not just horror movies. Right. Though that is my fave, yes. but that's exactly we may have to come around to that in a few months. But yeah. for right now, it's it's the teen it's the teen genre. Yes, the teen genre. So oh. before we get into the general genre, let's talk a little bit about the spectacular now. Which Ronald, have you seen Spectacular Now? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> this is what makes me mad. So just to give you a little backstory, I recently got a new job. And it pretty much shut down the last two months of my life and I haven't been able to do much. So, I've been missing all the good movies that they've been going to see and listening to them. I don't remember taking Elmo with us to the theater, did we? <laughs> That's what you guys sound like. Oh, was that what it was? We talk about movies that I haven't Do seen. Do you hear everybody in Elmo voice? I think so. Because <laughs> John and I sound nothing alike. Right. <laughs> it just all filters in as Elmo. That's That's what it all sounds like to me. Well, you're about to hear three people recommend a movie to you, Ronald. Okay. We, I think we all really love The Spectacular Now. Is that right? 
Now that was spectacular. Oh. <laughs> I had to do that for Ronald. So what yeah, so I, I don't... What? I was just going to throw it to her. Take it, take it, Lauren. I liked it. I, I wouldn't say I loved it. I liked Hold it. Hold on a second. Ronald, I take that back. Two no, out no, of no. three. No, no, I would recommend it <laughs> for nope. sure. No, nope, you've already I'm said it. We can't change stars. that, Lauren. <laughs> no, four and a half stars. My one complaint... Well, I don't want to give too much away about the movie, but I did have a complaint, which I told you already was that nobody in the um in this boy's life like seemed to n- none of the adults in his life <clears throat> seemed to catch on to the fact that he had like a serious problem which i kind of feel like maybe is realistic in a in a like family that doesn't care but his mom did seem to care about him mm-hmm. so i don't know why she never caught on that he had this problem and then also when he started you dating you don't have to be too cagey i don't think because i think like in the first scene of the movie you can tell this kid is yeah. he's like a He's like a party guy, but there's a sign. You, you see that it's not just when other people are around. Right. It's like, and we, in fact, see him carry around like a big gulp cup right. throughout the whole movie <laughs> that he's constantly spiking. So in that sense, he's he's like he seems like a very casual drinker to be such a young man. Sure. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Are we, are we to think that his mom maybe just was too, too, I guess too, busy. too busy? Yeah. But there were lots of other adults in his life, too, that mm-hmm. kind of, they seemed like they noticed but then didn't do anything. But that's well, my only except complaint. for his his boss, eventually, Dan, the the the, the tie yeah. suit guy, when he yeah, has he a conversation he works at like a men's clothing yeah. store, and his boss has a sort of a, a compassionate relationship right. with him, but it's not quite father figure, so it's he doesn't really overstep those bounds. Everyone in his life seemed to be okay with it, even to the point when he got when he started dating Shailene Woodley. Mm-hmm. You know, she that's did her not, name. Her real name. I never knew that. In her in the movie, it was Amy. Yeah. Amy. Yeah. Um. But she didn't even, I mean, she kind of seemed to adapt to his lifestyle, whereas I thought maybe she would be the one to, like, pull him out of his, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. But I, I, in a weird way, I think that was a little surprise that the movie had for me was that instead of, it would have almost seemed kind of after school specialist if she had sort of been, like, a, such a great influence True. on him. The fact that he was able to kind of negatively influence her was, I mean, I kept expecting things to get much worse than they actually did. I mean, yeah. so often with these types of movies... I, I expect it to get really grim, and this movie kind of flirts with that, but it never quite goes into that really dark. Right, it like almost did. Yeah, I think I think it's actually one of the things I liked about the movie is the fact that what you would go in predicting to happen or saying, like I would expect these adults to have more involvement, or I would expect this girl to be the one that breaks them out, based on maybe other like just other expectations for other teen movies that you've seen. Like that doesn't happen. I think is what I actually like the most about this movie because I think that's kind of what makes us feel like a different kind of of teen film overall because it's it's i mean it's yeah it's, it's cliche to say like a lot of these movies feel more real because mm-hmm. a lot of filmmakers are obviously most times going for that but i think the idea that a kid can exist and be the kid that everybody loves that a lot of people could be unaware of of why it is that they try so hard to be that person that's loved by everybody mm-hmm. because they're missing something else or they're they're numbing something else with in his case alcohol or you know what i mean like some things are just masked well enough and, and in the girl in amy's case uh, we we actually talked about it after we saw it together lauren and and we were saying that um you know that why did she go along with everything that he did you know, why was she okay with drinking, and why did she start drinking? Well, then she and, seemed kind of sheltered, and like maybe to her yeah. this was an exciting. That's exactly what I. That's what I. That's what my take on it was. Is that and it was this also kind the, of a first love? It almost the guy like that just like kind of you know? shook her world up and exposed to a lot of things that, you know, she never really experienced, or you know, never and, and in, in her own words, never thought she deserved. You know, like flat out saying that guys don't look at me like that, and 
And that's like one of the great scenes in the movie, I think, is in Totally Guys Do. Like, I just saw guys do that. And it's just a really great experience for her. And you can see in that moment why she's just so taken by him. And I think that's why she overlooks a lot of the things that you'd expect a character to be, oh, I'm going to snap him out of that. And it's not really her that does. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Maybe she has an impact on him, and you, you definitely believe she does. But it's, I think, other moments in the movie that really kind of snap him out, or at least to become aware of what his real problem is and not what he blames like his mom for, blames other things in his life on. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, the movie really sets him up to be one of those people that you see them, and every time you see them, you're at a party, and they seem like they're having a great time. And and eventually you realize, wait, that person, maybe they think the same thing about you, but they, that person, you know them as as a, you know, a party dweller kind of right. thing. And you think about, well, if, is that person... You know what I mean? Sometimes you get that snapshot into that person's life and you see that, oh, they're they're pretty much acting the same way the next day and sure. the next day and the next day. And I'm seeing them every week, but this is a this never stops for them. I thought they did a good job of kind of depicting just how automatic I know somebody his, like that. his alcoholism was. You're not supposed to talk about me like I'm not here. <laughs> so crazy. I, that's weird. But doesn't it make you feel, you almost feel bad yeah. for that person. But at the same time, they're usually... I call him Peter Pan. And what I love about this character is they're, they're also usually very magnetic, kind of charismatic people on the face of it. If you just met him once, you would be like, who was that guy? You know, he was so... It was, so fun and i think that that we haven't really spoken of him specifically but miles teller who plays the the lead in this film sutter keely was i mean i haven't seen him in anything else that i remember so he was just it was just like a fully formed character on screen that i believed and it's you know you see that type of performance only so often and i i mean he i wouldn't say he carried the movie because there was so much good acting in it but you really had to believe this guy this guy who was fun to be around and yet had a darkness to him but wasn't kind of a mopey guy and then you had to believe that there's some really emotional moments where like you said Steve where the kind of mask comes down I thought it was really great that they showed that you know that that idea of that person that everyone loves but they they haven't really figured out for themselves how they feel about themselves it's really it's really kind of I don't know I thought it was really touching and I like that they kept the story small that it didn't try to set up some huge which is actually a huge pet peeve of mine with with teen films is that so many of these movies they they play up these teen dramas to be these huge larger than life things and in the movie they're resolved and if you grow up and you look back, you realize that when you were 18, 19, whatever, the paint wasn't dry on you yet. Yeah. And I like that this movie sells the unresolved nature. The end of it is very much like these kids. We, we don't we can't even begin to believe we've seen what happens to them yet. You know, yeah. I thought that was really interesting. I think I think some of the some of the reviews I had been reading, I guess some issues that people had um I guess some of the, the the big moments, like the big scenes that you do expect from teen movies, even the dr- more dramatic ones like this, is in that year of high school, it's usually the senior year, and they usually have like you know the first kiss or the or you know or losing their virginity or first or, kiss in senior year, Steve. Oh, you know, you know, you know that's what happens sometimes, John. Some people save themselves in more than one way. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I mean, so you were sitting. You were listening to like Backstreet Boys and stuff like all alone. Yeah, I mean that's what happens, John. You know, oh, you got to find the right person. That's worth. Oh, that's okay. worse than Fivel singing somewhere out there. <laughs> that's so sad. Well, that was on my playlist okay, too. Uh, when I was burning my mixed discs, you know, that was on there too. Uh, but see, no I tapes. Yeah, see, you were before me yeah, right. a little bit. Yeah, I had the right. mixed uh, the CDRs. Yeah. If you, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I remember when those arrived. I knew a guy with a CDR, and he would like charge you like fifty bucks to burn <laughs> yeah. something. That guy was me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what, what was I saying? Oh yeah, yeah. That those moments in this film, like I said, like the kiss or the, you know, losing their virginity or, or the prom or the graduation, they're not really played up big in this movie. You know, mm-hmm. they're definitely things happening at the scenes that almost overshadow the actual experience in some ways. They're very gradual. They're very natural. And they are just a part of this, like, ride 
of that little snapshot of these two characters that we see over the course of you know whatever it is a month or weeks or a couple months that it, it was mm-hmm. that they're all just the moving parts of, of this bigger thing which is like you know understanding what this Sutter character really is and and seeing how even through his you know even through his personal problems he in some other way has affected another character in a very positive way even through some pain physical mm-hmm. emotional pain and that has really allowed Amy's character to be something that she never really thought she could or should be, you know, based on uh, her life before Sutter or even like her expectations of what she really like kind of owed her mom. There's an early scene in the movie when one of the first things that they're talking to one another, when she finds Sutter on her front lawn and he's, he agrees to drive around delivering papers with her. Um, and she's actually doing it to help her mom. And she's like that teenage, she's a teenager, a very responsible girl who's pulling her own weight when she really should be out experiencing some of the things that Sutter brings into her life. Mm-hmm. And and it's a cool, kind of a cool exchange because him saying like to her, you know, that's crazy. Like you're taking care of your mom. Like you know, she should be taking care of you. Like mm-hmm. that's his expectation. But hers is a, obviously a very different life. But the way that they kind of coexist off of each other from that point on, I think allows both to benefit in different ways, both, uh, you know, emotionally and uh, in her in her case, just like her worldview, I think completely changes. Well, she's so much more interesting as a character because she doesn't get preachy with him, and because right. she doesn't view him as some project and somebody she's trying to fix, which would again be a very familiar story, you know. Right. Yeah, that's a, it's huge because like she's not judging him at all, and she's like she doesn't really ever talk down to him about a lot of these things. Like if anything, she's more encouraging of him in moments of like weakness, like when they go to visit his dad. Mm-hmm. You know, she's almost like. She's not judging him because of what she's really seeing or what he's just realized. You know, she's basically almost at times it sounds it seems almost like pitiful. Or at least to me, I reacted a little bit like that when they're in that car and she's like basically begging him and he's like, Do you see yourself? Like you don't I'm mm-hmm. bad for you. And it's just a really cool it's a really cool moment when um you see how far she's come to basically keep him in her life and he's almost realizing that he can't be in her life if she's to be what she really should be, you know, like, and, and go to Philadelphia for this school and everything that she never thought she, you know, could afford or <clears throat> or be able to do because of other responsibilities that she had. Yeah. Just a really, I don't know, just a really great film I, that I loved. And um, I, I'd really only seen other one other film from the Jack, director, James Ponsel, that was uh, a big festival film last year, which was Smashed mm-hmm. with Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. And uh, actually, Mary Elizabeth Winstead was in it as well. Who's in this film? Yeah, as she's Sutter's, as Sutter's yeah, she's got a uh, nice sister. Small part, yeah. But another film that has like a really big theme dealing with alcoholism, and I mean, I don't know if that's it's a it's a theme that kind of he uses to kind of use a lot of you know to develop his characters and and to kind of have an arc. But um, that's a, you know that film was I, I was a fan of, but I mean the spectacular now is like next level to me in, in his you know in his display as a filmmaker. But I mean, just it, it's it's gonna. Maybe ten years from now, I think myself like this movie might fall onto a list that, if we were to talk of it, this, this conversation is going to follow. Mm-hmm. It may find a place. I mean, because yeah, I kept I kept being tempted to say oh, I'm just going to go ahead and say Spectacular yeah, because now it, is it, one of my favorite. It teen feels movies. like a different kind of teen movie to me. Like it mm-hmm. almost feels like a 2.0 kind of thing. If it ever, if it if it caught on, I don't know that it will, in terms of box office or like finding a a true audience because it's not that predictable team movie or it's not that feel-good movie like some of the ones that we, we would probably mention a little later mm-hmm. in this podcast but you know it's the kind of movie that i think is a lot more relevant like with the way that not the kids didn't have problems back in the 80s and 90s but mm-hmm. i think you know this generation is, is a lot different now and you know in a lot of different uh 
environmental, you know, societal, like just different factors that kind of pour into their lives. It's just making a different kind of teenager. And I think this movie kind of addresses that kind of modern teenager Yeah. that I know, you know, I, I don't think I've ever really seen as, 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 committed in a film before on, well, it, on film it felt natural in that way that like people break up but they still are sort of friends and of course you're showing up at the same parties so you have to deal with people and it just kind of felt like it was both something that was kind of familiar to me and the fact that it seemed realistic but it did feel to me and i was sort of thinking i wonder if this feels accurate to a 17 year old yeah. living today but to me it felt like it was depicting a kind of a, a, a more contemporary view of what what kids are actually like which is to say that they're not all totally like debauched horn dogs running around uh, you know, breaking every rule, but they're also very casual about some of these things that in past years might have been a bigger deal, like yeah. just the kind of casual drinking and all that kind of stuff. I did think that that part was realistic, like the kids' interaction with each other, how you just said they're like so casual about stuff. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, not to sound too old or anything, but when I hear kids that are like 16, 17 talking about sex and talking about that kind of stuff, and then I'm thinking like, did I talk like that when I was 16 or 17? Like, no, I don't really think I did. I feel like they're like progressing like mm -hmm. aging faster than we did i don't know maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm just well i think that every generation probably can look back and feel that way but that it's still it's in context do you know what i mean that sure. like that that what they were doing it's like it's a different it's a different degree of the same thing but yeah that that I don't know. It's tough to know. It's tough to relate. And I definitely thought about that a lot with trying to pick the movies because it's like you can grade a teen movie based on how much it depicts what you think is like the real experience versus the movies that maybe you loved when you were a teenager that that you wanted to kind of stick yourself into then. Sure. You know, because a lot of the movies, it's almost like a wish fulfillment thing to be in that <laughs> world where the where the good guy wins or, the, you know, the, the right guy gets the girl or the bully gets defeated or whatever. But right. now it's like... Uh, or the right girl gets the guy. See, there we go. <laughs> um, but like, I think that there's that weird element of, am I, is, was, were teen movies that I loved when I was a kid, you know, I, I remember my dad used to come in and say like, ugh, the, the adults are all idiots in these yeah. movies. And I was like, yeah, but that's kind of the point. That's kind of why they're teen movies. But then you see the ones where the adults are allowed to be a little bit more real. And I think, I do think that feels like a step in the right direction. Sure. But you know, oftentimes that that's when you're saying, is this really a teen movie or is this more of a kind of drama? A drama, yeah. Because again, the adults in The Spectacular now, there's not really much to admire there, but they do feel real and they do feel like they have their own bullshit. And you, even the dude's dad, who's probably like the worst snapshot of a character that we get, even he seems to have this weird, he's kind of defeated and, and he se just seems real. And like, I, swear, I swear that uh, Kyle Chandler must have like stayed up the night before smoking a pack of cigarettes because his voice had that that dry rasp yeah. that someone who's just burned out has, you know, he, he was, I thought he was great. I love him and mostly anything that he's ever been in. But I thought it was neat to see him play a slightly more debauched twist. I've seen him play like good men who are compromised or guys who are frustrated, but I've never seen him play someone who was that just sleazy and manipulative. And I mean, yeah, that scene where his son goes to meet him was just like, you, heartbreaking. You, yeah, yeah. And you really feel it's so uncomfortable the way she, her protective feelings towards him really kick in in that scene too. That yeah. she really wants to kind of get him away from this this guy in a sense. But so Ronald, do you want to go see Spectacular now? Now you told me the whole fucking plot <laughs> of the movie. So oh, you don't even know what happens. Oh, I don't even know. Tell me what I happens. Don't know. You don't know what, what happens when they find the body. I mean, China. <laughs> mm. A bunch of spectacular shit happens to these young teenagers, <laughs> right? Like what? Love. <laughs> And then, and then she's like, oh, I'm not that pretty. 
And then she puts something on and lifts her boobs up a little bit. He's like, you're so pretty. I love you. Actually. That sounds like the goddamn movie. You had something and then you kind of lost yeah, it. Yeah, you lost it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, didn't, we didn't give enough to you. You were almost there. Okay. No, I, I think that this is, it's so much more of a character piece than it is a plot thing that you may think you know, but even knowing. You think you know. Forget what you know or you what no, you think you know. You have no idea. Well, Ronald, would you like to talk about a teen movie that you have seen? <laughs> Okay, so I picked a weird one. Really? Is, Shocker. Is, is, is this our transition to the no. teen list? Okay, I so, guess we are. We're transitioning so to the do, do your teen movies have to meet a checklist? Like, was it made for under $3 million? No. Is it in a no. foreign language? No. Ronald took teen was movies it, oh, to mean that it took no. that it was filmed in the 1900s. Oh, is that what it was? So yeah. this, is, this is a weird one because it is not... It is a mix of a teen movie and a horror movie. And it just... There's a lot of wind. Together. It was a tw- twister. So, yeah. Twister. My first pick is The Faculty. Ooh. Nice job, Ronald. So because, because the reason I chose it was because it, 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 it the dynamic between all the friends was really cool. And it could have been just a movie about a bunch of teenagers. But then when shit got crazy, when things started attacking, whatever this thing was taking over these teenagers... I thought it was a great, great movie. I'm a fan of that movie. Yeah, I it, dig it. It was a cool. I don't what know. What a great soundtrack. Definitely yeah. good. How about soundtrack? that? Great teenage slash horror, and I don't have anything else on that list like slash this. sci-fi. Slash sci-fi. But yeah. Wait, so you knew about sci-fi '99? <laughs> Here's the thing. I thought I you just learned about sci-fi with Oblivion. I didn't know what they called it. I know oh, it wasn't it. called sci-fi then. Yeah. I they just that. renamed it in 2013. <laughs> the opposite of real is what I called it. <laughs> it was just fiction what? at that what point? Would I, what would I call the opposite of real? I think it's called fiction. <laughs> or, or, or that ellipses. You know what they actually used to call it before it was called science fiction was speculative fiction? That's what Ronald called it. <laughs> speculative Spec-fi. fiction. The Spec-fi. opposite of real ellipses with magic. So, the faculty, <laughs> the faculty is my first pick. That movie stuck with me, man. And and, and it's weird because, like, I'd seen a bunch of teenage movies before and after, but something about that movie stuck with me. It was something about the <laughs> Elijah Wood, mm-hmm. Usher. Come on. That's, all you, that's the only cast you need to be concerned with. Do something. not forget Elijah to Wood mention is... Josh Hartnett. Yeah. Don't worry, ladies. I got you. Josh Hartnett, beautiful. What, you mean Elijah Wood and Usher aren't Hartnett? What about Jordana Brewster, guys? Yeah, Jens. I mean, come on. Jordana oh, Brewster. What about John Stewart? What about the T-1000, Mr. Robert Patrick? <laughs> He's great in everything, by the way. Even Lovelace. So, <laughs> there that goes. Way to, way to slip that one in there. <laughs> yeah. So, that's my, my first pick. All right. The faculty. Well, Lauren? Lauren? All right. So, I have a theme for mine, and all of my picks had to have a strong female cast. Ooh, ooh. So, my first pick... Do you have something in your eye? Yes, I definitely do. Is it a tear? It's okay. No, it's not okay, a tear. Okay, no crying aloud. Um, my first pick is kind of dark from 1980, 1988, Heathers. <clears throat> okay. And I love this movie. I probably did not see it when it first came out because I would have been like six or seven. <laughs> but I remember when it would come on VH1 and I would sneak because I was not allowed to watch that kind of thing. (laughs) And I just remember loving it. And then I would, you know, I'd watch it over and over again. And then once I was actually old enough to like really understand that high school dynamic, I was like, there are some girls that I would like to make drink bleach. (laughs) And that would be great. And I just absolutely love that movie. I think that Winona Ryder and Christian Slater have like total fun chemistry together. And 
it's completely unrealistic and crazy, but I liked it. It was a nice dark comedy. Cool. I, I love the that is a movie that I, I stole it before Steve I, could say I, I, it. I do randomly see that it didn't. It was on my short list, but it, it's like definitely that movie that I catch on TV sometimes. Although when you catch it on like a network station, I feel like it. It's like when they edit it down for content. They edit off the part yeah. where Christian Slater's finger gets shot right, off. Right, right. They cover it up. <laughs> they got to make it good for they TV. They should have kept they that do. shit in there. Um, good, good pick. I got to get this out of the way first because this was the this was the sure thing probably. There's two mm-hmm. sure things, but this is the sure sure thing, and that was uh. It's a uh, say anything. Um, Cameron Crowe. What is it? I don't even. Not to be confused with the actual movie, The Sure Thing. Right. That did not Which make my list. Also starred John Cusack, didn't it? Um, it did actually. Yeah. And uh, I don't know the girl's name though. But it's not that movie though. So yeah. let's just. I'm not yeah. even talk about that movie. All right. No. Um, you don't want to buy anything, bought, sold, or processed. That, that's my life. I mean, that that's kind of <laughs> like a. That's, that's my motto for life, pretty yes. much. Uh, Lloyd Dobler, I think, is probably one of the most iconic characters in in film for me personally ever. I think John Cusack like was a star when I was when I was younger. I, obviously, I didn't see this when I was eight years old, but as a teenager watching this movie over and over again, I can remember one summer where I watched every John Cusack movie because of my exposure to Say Anything. I just love John Cusack, but more importantly, I love his character in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not gonna lie, I feel like I try to like model my life when Steve I was in high school. Lloyd Dobler. Like uh, on Lloyd Dobler. Like I feel like he's the guy that is just nice, you know, he's a nice guy. He has real no enemies. Like he just wants good stuff for him and the people just around like him. He sounds like a model citizen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean Steve, are you talking about you or Lloyd Dobler? No, no, Lloyd, no, you're confused, yeah. John. Lloyd <laughs> okay. Dobler. Right. You know, the movie say yeah. anything. Right. Um Is that why you were out in front of my house with a boombox earlier? Yeah, yeah. The batteries were dead though, so you know. <laughs> But I don't know, just, I don't, I, everyone knows Say Anything. I'm not going to gush over it too much. I just think, you know, a lot of iconic moments in the film. I mean, even even talking about, I guess, some of the, not that this was the most realistic teen movie, but I mean, even like kind of getting into like, you know, these guys, like the father and like his, his how, how her dad wasn't like this great guy and, you know, her realizing that, like it kind of had that little bit of like a dark, um, that grounding moment in the movie that not not a lot of movies have or had, mm-hmm. uh, at least that I had seen at that point in my life. And, I mean, the, for her to really kind of, for the possibility of the hero to not only be the guy she's in love with and that she's not supposed to love and, and to realize that, you know, it's okay to not do what your your father expects you to do because, you know, you're going to make decisions that are your own, just like he has. Um, unfortunately, they, they went, didn't go as well for him. But mm-hmm. um, just like such a romantic movie, I think for all the love that, Ryan Gosling gets it from the ladies for for the notebook. I feel like before uh before Noah there was Lloyd and I think that forever Lloyd Dobler will be like the ultimate male teen movie rom-com whatever you want to deem it. Say anything is one of my favorite movies of all time so it absolutely has to make this list. See, favorite movie of all time. It's funny for me when I was thinking about teen movies, it was hard for me to say whether these movies whether I was going to go towards movies that were like the actually the best movies of the bunch or the ones that had the biggest impact on me when I was a teenager. And I, I had to fall somewhat. I, my, my inner 13-year-old was like, you got to name some of these movies that you loved when you were an actual teenager. Yeah. Kind of back to what I was saying before. But it was a, it was a strange thing because when I was growing up, it was, you know, teen movie was pretty much synonymous with John Hughes. Yeah, totally. So to me, a John Hughes movie is kind of the template. And even now when movies aren't, even movies that aren't John Hughes movies, which it'd be strange if there were any because he's been he's been gone for a while. 
But for a while there, there were still, you know, like, he, he kind of got out of that. He was writing lots of other screenplays. I don't know. I, there were a lot of movies he did that I, I haven't seen or I wasn't that interested in seeing. But for a while there, and it, it's interesting to note that it's like a couple of movies a year. Like, Ferris Bueller, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off came out in 1986. So did Pretty in Pink. Some Kind of Wonderful was the next year. So, I mean, yeah. he had a run there where it was, you know, clearly a lot of his scripts were either he was writing them very quickly or they were getting turned around. He didn't direct all of them. Right. And in fact, the movie that I'm kind of building up to here is a movie that he didn't direct, that he just wrote the screenplay for. But it's one that it had such an impact on me when I was a kid. I have to give props to Pretty in Pink. Okay. Aww. Not just because of the movie itself, but the soundtrack was like one of those ultimate, and I, I almost think this might be a theme with a lot of these movies. Yeah, it's going to happen. Teen movies tend to have good soundtracks. Totally. And I don't know, again, I'm not trying to say he invented the idea, but John Hughes was maybe one of the first directors to really take his personal musical taste and kind of inject it with, I mean, he had a good ear for all these new wave hits that were coming out in the 80s. And so there were all these bands that, I remember them well because I liked the Pretty in Pink soundtrack or I liked the Some Kind of Wonderful soundtrack, but they're bands that I don't know anything else about, about them at all, except so. that they were on these soundtracks. Mm -hmm. um, now, you know, some of those, there's the song uh, If You Leave by Orchestral Only, Maneuvers yeah. in the Dark. I hear that song, and I mean, I'm, I like that you said the full name. I could have said OMD. OMD, I tried, I I tried to cut you off with it. Well, <laughs> but, but like that song just triggers this weird response in me, this yeah. weird kind of emotional response where I feel like I didn't turn out to be the man I thought I'd be when I was 13. But, you know, that's a different podcast. Uh, I think that um, I think that there's also this element of that weird kind of outsider sensibility that a lot of teen movies tap into, and John Hughes was you know maybe one of the the, the best at it of presenting a character like the character of uh, Andy in Pretty in Pink, who actually you sort of look at her from a present day perspective, and she seems like she would be cool, like the fact that she's kind of quirky and weird, and she makes her own clothes and all that kind of stuff. That doesn't seem like it would be as much of a liability now. So even when I was a kid, I always thought that rang a little false that. These people are individualistic, but they seem kind of cool. But I guess there are giant high schools where that type of person would just be, you know, would, you know, be seen as too much of a weirdo. But I think that movie played on that idea. And then the character of Ducky, it's so funny now when you watch Pretty in Pink, though, Ducky plays very much like if that movie was being made now, everyone would know that Ducky was a closeted homosexual, right? <laughs> <laughs> But I wanted to dress so much like Ducky. I wanted to. I wanted to find. I wanted the girl that I love to work in a music shop so that I could go in there and lip sync a song for her. And whatever. I mean, I, it was. It totally. didn't, it's like it didn't even dawn on me that he doesn't get the girl. Don't give like up on when your I was, dreams, John. when I was patterning, happen. I could do it. I could do it. But what was funny was it made me like all my granddad's old suit coats. Wait, and that's not how you got your wife. Well, that's, <laughs> that's another story for another podcast. Stood outside of her window with a yeah. boombox, yeah. Steve. Uh -oh. Your your ideas yeah. been taken. <laughs> But I don't know. To me, that movie is only kind of marred by the fact that it, the way it ends, yeah. you know, there's a, there was a, it was a famous example of a test screening where the audience did not like the original ending, which was that Andy ends up with Ducky. And then there's this really weirdly contrived ending where it's totally rewritten just in the last scene. And like people's haircuts are different. You can tell they went back for a reshoot. Yeah. And they come up with a way for Andy to end up with the Andrew McCarthy character, who's like the prep guy. Who Blaine. Blaine. That's not a, it's not a name. It's an appliance. Um, <laughs> But uh, the, I feel like they kind of redeemed themselves, even though not as memorable of a movie, but has a lot of uh, strong qualities to it, but some kind of wonderful, which came out the following year, also written by John Hughes, also directed by Howard Deutsch. In that one, I would say they'd get it right. That the, you know. I, I actually would play some kind of wonderful above Pretty in Pink. Yeah. 
I that that yeah, some kind of wonderful also has a great soundtrack. If you guys aren't out there, if you haven't listened to Flesh for Lulu in about twenty years, <laughs> if you want to hear a song that sounds like nineteen eighty seven, Flesh for Lulu's "I Go Crazy." I actually listened to it earlier today, thanks to you. It sounds like nineteen eighty seven, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it's the one thing you pull out of the time capsule. Yeah, right. <laughs> but both of those movies are are really endemic of that whole you know. The, and I would say the other thing that both those movies have is parents who are not like one-dimensional characters in both of those movies the parents that you get to see they have their own their own issues going on and the way that their kids are kind of evolving there's the parents might not understand the kids but they're not they're not clueless idiots you know and they're not the joke it's it's all about how these kids have these separate lives but you know see see what happened right now lauren this is what i'm going to start calling we got walkered because what he does, he, he, he slips it in another movie. Yeah. When we have to pick three, he, he slips in a, he Dick slips Moore. in number four. He's Dick like, oh, pretty, pretty, pretty big. Oh, but some kind of wonderful came out a year later. Same character, same blah, blah. Better soundtrack, or yeah. not a better, whatever. So you, you'll get used to but that But I talk real so quick. fast, Steve. I, yeah, cover just, them, <laughs> I cover them in Could the you tell how fast I was trying to, yeah, I mean, I was trying to do yeah, my, right. my giant walker? No, that, I demand another saw. movie for all of us. For mine, fucking... I feel like this is just gonna be a John Hughes. Oh, nice! I feel so, good now because I can cut some of these off. Okay, I'm calling so, some audibles. So this movie—that's why movie, I did too, Steve. I'm trying to eliminate <laughs> some John Hughes movies. Um, not really a big fan of one room movies, mm-hmm. but five of the most charismatic characters in one room. You son of a bitch. Equal one of the best movies ever created, and that's Breakfast Club. So this movie did something for me that I had never really experienced. It was like, um. It was before I went to high school. I, I saw it in middle school, but it did something for me that a movie about teenagers had never done, where I could align with all these people in different ways. There were things about all these characters that I felt like were in me because I was I was socially awkward in some ways. I was very social in others. Um, I had a weird story because I I grew up in a really bad area, but I. I moved to a really nice area. So I had like these two lives that didn't align with each other at all. Yeah. So I was in this nice area and I'd be like, they'd be like, Hey, so how was, how was whatever? I was like, I, I didn't hear any gunshots last night. So that's great for me. And I had to get out of this mode where I was like awkward about that sort of thing. Cause I didn't feel comfortable and kind of seeing these characters, it, it changed something for me and i knew that like i could watch a movie that i could feel mm-hmm. so it was the first teen movie that i saw that i was like man this is this is a fucking amazing movie well the movie takes those that teen angst and just wallows in i mean it just yeah, blows it, it up does. Like, the, it doesn't, doesn't they just hide, bitch about their, their but it lives doesn't hide from the this... kind of melodramatic aspects of that you know like yeah. it definitely shows yeah how important it all seems when you're that age yeah um and molly I was in love with her. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So Breakfast Club. No, it's a great pick. Yeah. I, th- I think the big takeaway that I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a, in line with what you just said about. I feel like it was one of the first times I saw a movie where like there were five leads that were intentionally representing five different kinds of people that at the end you realize they were all at the same time. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Everybody had a piece of the other in them, and that took that moment together to really understand that and to acknowledge that that was okay that they each had the other four. You know, like hiding somewhere that they weren't allowing to surface because they were supposed to be the jock, or I'm supposed to be the the princess, or whatever, yeah. or the, the the badass, or whatever. But they all had a lot more in common than they thought they did, which is something that you know you don't 
you didn't always see in movies like that. And just in terms of what you could apply to your life, you're just like, I'm not really that different than, yeah, than yeah. that guy who is on the surface way different than me. But at the at the bottom of it all, we're, we're pretty similar, which I think is Breakfast Club definitely I drove actually, that point home. I don't know where it is now. It's long gone. But I actually wrote several pages into a uh, novel. That was a sequel to the Breakfast Club when I was about what? What? Fourteen. <laughs> How do we track this it was down? Like do we need next, it? it was like the next Monday. I, I wanted to see like what would happen. Like, would they be friends? Would they like pass in the hall and pretend they didn't know each other and stuff? So I really wanted to see. Oh, what would happen. Do we have to take a field trip to your hometown? I don't know. There's is a that, box. It, there's a box somewhere. I don't <laughs> think. The, I don't think that stuff got I burned. Is it in this house it. or in that down there? But I don't remember if I was identifying with the Bender character or the uh, the Anthony Michael Hall. Character. I can't remember which character. I feel like I wanted the Anthony Michael Hall character to like be the lead so yeah. maybe there was some there was, again i don't know why um no i think yeah interesting thing about that movie is just it's another one with like a really memorable soundtrack and it's yeah. another one that just i remember feeling like i was not supposed it's r right it was rated r, i'm not correct? sure i feel like it has such harsh language in it for the time that it almost would have to i feel be like r. that could be pg-13 though like i feel like pg-13 was kind of they could say fuck maybe once pg-13 you get one fuck yeah but lots of shit Oh shit! That was the silence is us looking up the. Rating. I know this is all of us looking up the rating because I just remember I at the time see. it was like a movie for kids, but I felt like I wasn't supposed to see it yet. You know, it definitely had like like my parents weren't overly jazzed about me watching that movie, but they knew that I was just it came on HBO and I was just you know I was just dying to see it, so right. they had to like watch it first, you know. And then it was okay, John, you can watch that movie. But I just remember kind of what you guys are saying. It felt like it was just this window into this. Uh, a deeper approach to this type of story and yeah. like a deeper look at these, these types of characters. And there are things about it that can seem kind of, like I said, kind of melodramatic now, but when you think about who it's made for, it's made for teenagers. And maybe that is the genius of John Hughes is that he makes those movies and he doesn't, you know, doesn't apologize for how important it all seems when you're, when you're going through it. Yeah. Rated R for pervasive language, oh, drug use, yeah. sexual content, crude content, and some violence. I forgot yeah. about the panty thing. So maybe, yeah, that does. That doesn't happen in Breakfast Club. <laughs> That is 16 candles. No, no, no. There's, no, no, a, no. there's a panty shot. There's a, a, oh, oh, oh. Under the table? <laughs> talking about the underwear. That was Lauren being wrong for anybody out there. No, no, if no. That happened. It no, happens but, once. But you're talking about the extended panty oh, no, gag. Oh, no. okay. I thought you meant that. It's like under the ta yeah. Yeah. table. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, like, oh, man. This it's is, a Judd Nelson POV shot. Yeah. I, I was like, man, this is, this is too much for me. That was Ronald's first exposure to POV shots. He's taking a dark turn in his later years. Right, The world It wasn't John Carpenter's Halloween that he saw him. It was a... It was oh, so great. That fucking movie. <laughs> I don't know why, but when I watch these movies that are like like The Breakfast Club that's like in one day or um, like Ferris Bueller or Empire Records that's all in one day, I like assume that they like all spent the whole day together and shot mm -hmm. the whole movie in one take. <laughs> I don't know why. That's like it's where my brain It's fun to think like that. They yeah. just wrap it up. They're like, all right, done. Good job, guys. <laughs> just, just right, we got this before the end of the, like, the sunset. <laughs> it does seem like it's, that, It though. feels that way. Or it feels like you're with them. Yeah. Because it's such, it's like, it's not in real time, but it's it's such it's a so short. So confined, yeah. It's, it's almost a, like a play. You know, right. It's such a short like time frame that you know. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. But like, why it. couldn't they just shoot that all in one day? <laughs> it's possible, right? I mean, totally. I mean, I could do they're it. They're pros. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Number all right. two. My Lauren. next pick. Okay, so this one is probably the only one that I actually was a teenager when I saw it, and it is 1995's Clueless. Oh. And I love that movie still. It holds up for sure. I just watched it yesterday to make sure that it still held up from the last time I watched it, probably six months ago. What holds up about it? it it's it's still funny. You still, I feel like 
since I loved it so much then, I still love the characters. You know, like you go back and watch some movies that you loved as a teenager or even a child and you're like, why did I like that so much? I'm not going to watch this anymore. Whereas this one, like I make it to the end and I'm like, I still love this movie. Like it still makes me smile at the end when she ends up happy and just all that stuff. But also I wanted to be her. I wanted her closet. <laughs> that's that's it right no, there. But, but when I first saw this movie, I was kind of, I was always like a girly girl when I was little, but I was going through this like skater phase where all I wanted to wear was band t-shirt and jeans and Vans. And that was my like uniform basically. But when I saw this movie, it was like a revelation. She was like a Carrie Bradshaw for the 90s and I was on board. I was like, I'm going to wear knee socks and plaid skirts and I'm not going to dress like this anymore. So were you basically the tie character? I guess so. I guess that happened. Wow. We just realized this. Boom. That that's that's productive right there. I don't know, but yes. And also another movie with I think it had a good soundtrack. It was kind of like random, but like fun nineties music. Mighty Mighty Boston's was on it. Luscious yeah. Jackson, Coolio. Before it's time, it was kind of a similar approach. It was like a lot of sort of not quite underground, but they weren't necessarily radio bands, you know. Right. Like yeah. names, but not necessarily the you know top of the pops. Coolio. Yeah, or the or their the song that like it might have been like somebody recognizable, but the song was not their hit song. It right, was like right, right. some other song. So there was a song when Ty's going through her transformation. It's called Supermodel. I have no idea who sings it, but I Jill Sabule. Well, there you go. I love that wow. song. Mm-hmm. I loved it when I was when I was that age. I thought that was like I I don't care. I want to be a supermodel. Like, <laughs> so that's my pick. Clueless, great movie, great movie. Thank you, Ron. I think I think it holds up too. They, did you? Uh, because it's funny and it's kind of satirical. I mean, it's got a and Stacy Dash still look amazing. Who? They do. Alicia Silverstone. Oh. Did you oh, yeah. know Stacey that Stacy Dash was like 27 when she made that movie? Yeah. Can you believe that? Wow. She's like and Alicia Silverstone. I think she was a teenager or maybe like just approaching her 20s. But... How old is Stacy yeah. Dash? Stacy Dash is almost 50. No. Yeah. No. Well, she's, Ronald... she's like 45. She's like, Ronald, I'm gonna you guess just threw 45. a random no. ass number out no, there. Let's, let's look her up. Steve. 45 to 47. 46 I'm years old. Yes, I'm, she's almost 50. I'll give it to you. I'd round up. I'm just saying. <laughs> Are you almost 34? Pretty cra- I mean, like, look at her. She still looks. <laughs> she's gorgeous. Fucking amazing. Okay. Yeah. Alicia Silverstone still looks good, too, but she, she does. she's gone a little crazy. It does. Yeah. Christine like, Applegate also. Has... She, she wasn't included. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, like, people just from the general. era. That, Lauren, that you know people. Ronald. This is. <laughs> What are you, what are you yeah. acting like that for, Lauren? I'll go I left thought you field. were used to this. I'll go left field at any point. But yeah, she's... <laughs> all these... She, I can't believe that those two still look pretty. She went crazy? She, Alicia Silverstone? <laughs> well, no, she's like, she's like you know, baby bird feeding her child yeah. on YouTube. Like, she's like super you vegan. That? She put out a video where she's like chewing, chewing... up the food and, and spitting it into her child's mouth. <laughs> and thinks well, Ronald's gone into that, though. And Ronald... That's crazy. Her child's in middle school. <laughs> no, he's no, I'm not. Just... He's probably like in kindergarten. I got you. She would have left it alone. So she would have left it there, John. What? He would have left this evening. That's so dizzy. I, I didn't want I've... to break his brain any worse than it already is <laughs> while we're recording. I have one more Alicia Silverstone comment. How good does she look in the Aerosmith videos? Oh, I know. Back in the oh, 90s, wow. right? Did you just love her? And I how mean... creepy was it, though, that she, like, Liv she Tyler was, like... was also in those videos? <laughs> <laughs> That's gross. So my next pick is... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this one now. I'm going to go with uh, the 1980s. Again, part of this is maybe movies that would make my all-time favorite list mm-hmm. if I was going outside of a genre. Um, <clears throat> another movie I didn't see till years after it came out. And you may give me shit for this, John, but I mean, I think I can make a case for it. Oh, I know I may give you shit. 
Uh, it's the 1986 coming-of-age drama comedy, Stand By Me. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Um, so you'll allow it. Okay. I, the only reason I didn't know about this one was I didn't... I mean, uh, this is how this is how I got into this. I was like, I don't know the ages of these characters. I don't know if they're technically They were like teens. kids, right? That's what I said to them. They were like 11. I think he says you never yeah. had friends like the ones you had when you were 11. So I'm going to give you shit about it. Give me shit. I don't they're care. Kids. You're, you're but, a guest. You're not coming back next teens, week. And you saw it when you were <laughs> well, a teen? I'll be back. I'm taking <laughs> no, your job. I, I, this one was... It's so funny that this list, it's so easy for it to tip over into like coming-of-age films. And I definitely felt like some movies I put on one category versus the other. But sure. you could make a real case that... That you know, all teen movies don't have to be high school movies. I well, I will, that... what about Denny? He was definitely a teen. Yeah. Even though he's dead, he would qualify this film for me. Uh, but <laughs> one of my favorite lines of all time is in that movie. Dead. Even though he's no dead. ace, just you. Yeah. But, oh God. So great. I love that movie. Well, yeah, you know that. It's made my yeah. list. But uh, oh, you like that movie? <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty good. It's yeah. pretty good. But yeah, Rob Reiner directed. Uh, I don't. I don't I've read the short story of the body that that is based on by Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't I never really correlated the two until later in life when I found out that it was a short story by him. But this film is is one of my favorite movies of all time, I think. And part of it is the coming of age side. Part of it is the you know, the the quote you said a little bit ago about like you never have the friends you did when you were 11 or, mm-hmm. or when you were a kid or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I saw the movie when I was a kid. It made me nostalgic for being a kid while I was a kid. While you were a kid. Yeah, that's how wow. powerful that movie is. How, how does that happen? I mean, that that's the sign of something great, right? I mean, yeah. I think... And because of that movie for years, my friends and I would joke. Someone would say, you guys want to go see a dead body? That was just a joke we would make. <laughs> I think we were joking, actually. Hmm. Or maybe there was one. You just yeah. weren't, oh, weren't aware wow. of it. That one kid was always insisting. Oh, wait a minute. Anyway, go ahead, Steve. <laughs> i got some things to reconsider. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I just I just love the idea of uh you know, this it, it's like a it's a road trip. You know, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a story about these 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 four friends that are just in different parts of their lives. They obviously have their own separate problems, some more severe than others, uh going on this, you know, this adventure together to to find this body um of this of another kid, a teenager. And um, like Kiefer Sutherland's character, the older side of, of the other side of the gang that's going to search for the same thing. Um, it's just a constant feeling of, of, of suspense I felt in the movie, kind of wondering what their next adventure was. Um, it, it was actually one of the first like real non like sci-fi, non-fantastical like adventure films that I really identified with as a teenager. In the fact that, like you know, these were the kids that I could have I could have hung out with my friends and told stories about pie eating, pie eating contests where somebody threw up and thought that it was the best thing in the world, mm-hmm. or you know, or we talk about, or you know, these going and and getting you know being chased away by the dog or dodging a train, you know, these exciting, fantastic moments that, for the main character, for Will Wheaton's character, for Gordy, it's just it was a way to detach from a life that really wasn't what he wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And it was a way to go on this thrilling adventure with his friends and, and to kind of learn more about them, to learn more about himself and to kind of be the master of that moment. And that's really what he was the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, River Phoenix, I don't, that's in a whole other conversation, like just incredible in this film as, uh, as Chris and Jerry O'Connell as Vern and, and, and uh, who is it? Corey Feldman as Teddy. Sliders. Jerry O'Connell, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow, he 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 turned out looking pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah. It's funny that he was the fat kid in this, and now he's the yeah. he's yeah. the only one of them who you know. Well, let's not. Feldman not in such great shape. Will Wheaton's doing whatever he's doing. River Phoenix, God rest his soul. Right. Jerry O'Connell, 
you know, married to John Cusack. Also, Rebecca not looking Romain that great Stoneman. these days. Yeah, he's married to Rebecca. Rom- <laughs> is it Jerry O'Connell married to Rebecca Romain? Oh, at I some think point, she is. Oh, they, they, they wow. might still be. I don't yeah. know. If what they, they, they have that lasting power. What a wonderful woman. But yeah, I don't know. Just, just, just that 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 film is a movie that I can watch over and over again. Um. And like a movie that I almost like, I get so nostalgic about watching. Like I, where I almost get overcome with like, not a emo- not like crying emotion, but like you you have a feeling in your body of just like the moments that these kids experience. Even if I didn't experience the same thing as a kid, there's something that I can kind of liken to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like that moment of telling a story, that moment of realizing that your friend had a bigger problem than you realized, or that you you know you kind of looked up to him and you realized that he wasn't really as strong as he kind of put on, mm-hmm. which is you know Gordy to Chris's relationship. Um, and then the, the, the epilogue with, with Richard Dreyfuss's narration and, and, you know, and seeing where he really is in his life and, and what he's writing about. And, and we find out about what happens to these characters, just a, just a crazy emotional ride for me in that movie. And, uh, just, I don't know, just a movie that I love. And even though it may not be like the, you know, the expected like teen movie. I throw it in there because that, that coming of age piece is something I always like into it as well. So I will pick as my next film a movie that was tough to say because I I, I don't want to just pick movies that came out when I was a kid. So and I didn't want to just pick John Hughes movies. So I'm sorry, Ferris Bueller. But why, John? Just because it becomes a little too obvious, you know. I'm sorry, Ferris Bueller. A poster <laughs> up on the wall. <laughs> this but, is, this uh, is getting Walkered again. Boom boom. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, but I just uh, I but I couldn't completely live Fer- leave Ferris in the cold, so I decided I'd go with a movie from 1999 directed by Alexander Payne. Nice election, uh, which has Matthew Broderick playing a teacher who is sort of a. It's almost like even though it's not an actual sequel to Ferris Bueller, I read where they they were kind of playing around with the idea that yeah. this could be the future of Ferris, like that guy who had seemed to have this this bright future and could kind of get himself into any situation he wanted to be in. What if, what if things kind of crashed and burned for him and he became this bitter high school teacher who cannot stand to see this really ambitious student kind of steamroll everybody. And when he finds out that she's running unopposed for uh, is it student council president or something like that <laughs> yeah. for a student body president, yeah. he just can't stand it. And so he basically sets up a, a, a dummy candidate to run against her played by Chris Klein, who is hilarious in this. It's just a movie that takes that that look at high school with a slightly more adult, a little bit more bitter, a little bit more cynical view, but it's still a movie that's got real stakes and the characters like Matthew Broderick's character gets more and more in over his head with his uh, his efforts to try to stop this girl from succeeding and she's just kind of an unstoppable force. Uh, uh, Reese Witherspoon is amazing as Tracy Flick. I mean that is everybody can think of somebody like that person, that mm-hmm. per, that overachiever type person. And we've all sort of secretly wished for them to fall flat on their face. So I think you, it's very easy to tap into this man who you can tell. It's like you know it's a bad idea, though, for, a, for an adult to strike out against a kid and to make his life all about. And he basically kind of destroys his life to try to take down this girl. Right up to the very last scene of this movie, though, the bitter comedy is just so effective. And I think Matthew Broderick's great. I think the supporting cast is great. Um, it's a movie that really feels... I, you know, sometimes you look at a movie. Could you rewatch it? And this is a movie that I could, I would, I could rewatch in a heartbeat, and I'd probably laugh, you know, just as much as I did the first time. So, cool. election from nineteen ninety nine. Um, mine is okay. So, <clears throat> this movie was originally supposed to star Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff, and I'm glad that it didn't happen. The, all right, so I had never seen a teenage movie that combined hip hop culture with randomness and it was done in a way that wasn't 
like over sexualized at least the first one um and it was fun and it had a lot of cool things that i experienced that like these situations house party <laughs> fucking house party is that why you were laughing because yeah, you knew it was gonna I be felt it coming house party did something to me when i was a kid because it because there were so many movies that were like teenage movies and they they had characters that i couldn't necessarily <clears throat> really align with right so mm-hmm. this movie came along and these two characters were ridiculous yes but these situations were so fun it seemed like it was fun and i I'd had a lot of situations that were similar, and I thought it was really cool, at least the first one. Mm-hmm. In terms of what it captured, just the fun and the innocence and seeing a pretty girl and wanting to wanting to do something, like flirting with her and not knowing what to say. And Should I picture you with a high-top fade? Yeah. Watching and then this film? Super intimidating girls, because they were... J- j- like, that's one thing that really weirded me out when I was in middle school. When I was a freshman, mm-hmm. all the like girls in eighth grade dressed so I adulty. I don't know. It was like like form fitting things and legs and that stuff made me feel so weird. They had legs? <laughs> legs showing Did they know how to use them? It was at <laughs> dances, yes. And that stuff weirded me out. Now it's like, man. I, Did you catch the ZZ Top reference? Okay. <laughs> I just realized if I didn't point out that that was a ZZ Top reference, it may seem like I said something really creepy about <laughs> yeah. young women's legs. Do they know how to use them, Ronald? <laughs> Tell me about this more. Hey, after the podcast, you know, you and me. Since you know, we'll talk off mic legs. about this. Yeah. <laughs> it's a house party. I've, what about, what that about that, the sequels? They got really raunchy. And I and I like that they got raunchy, but it was too it was too much of a departure from the first one. Mm-hmm. And actually, um that was one of the things I saw. Like I watched a random movie about uh, a, a documentary about kid and play, like where are they now? And the director was talking about how much they had changed because they wanted to maintain this cool oh man. Another movie that fits in in the teenager genre. All right, that that's kind of in the same hip hop y sort yeah. of thing. If you ever get a chance to see this movie, please watch it. I don't know if you'll like it as much as I liked it, but ATL. Oh yeah, with uh, with Ti yeah, and yeah, yeah. oh man, you talking about a, a a movie that really like so skating. Skating was a big part big part of my life. Roller skating. Roller skating. Not boarding. Boarding boarding towards but not like, with the ATL. But not an ATL, but like every Friday we used to go to two two places, Shake and Bake, which is horrible near North Avenue. Don't ever go there. And then there was Skateland. Um, Who are one UK <laughs> listener? Don't ever come to the United Don't States ever to go to North go Avenue. There. We're all opening up our calendar apps, <laughs> canceling our plans to go to Shake and Bake on North Avenue. Then there right was now. Skateland that was like in a Parkville area, and that was <clears throat> it. Like it was like was that what they call the jump off? The jump. It was the jump off, and it was it was. Crazy because it was like I think I've been there before. We could have been there at the same time. I think we probably, probably were. We could have shared Steve. a couple skate. Because I liked it because like everybody, all races were there, and it was like the music was incredible. The the girls <laughs> they had legs. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't. They had legs. Well, just a quick question about their legs. Uh, I couldn't skate. Did they know how to use them? They don't. They knew how to use them. So when Ronald brings up ATL while he's talking about a house party, is that what it feels like to be John Walker? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. I feel unclean. I feel used. <laughs> I don't wear me that one. I but. feel like someone stuck their thumb in my butt while we were having sex. <laughs> the dry, too. Just a yeah. dry, ashy thumb in your ass. 
<laughs> wow. So that's a different. We need a different term for that. I don't know you think I'm making time with last, it. Like, <laughs> like last night. Usually ashy. I did that on purpose. So. <laughs> So this is how his his stand up has gone. It's been more of like just like a like he's basically coming to like a, the realizations of About what happened in his stuff. life. Yeah. So that was fun. All right, what's your next pick, Lauren? I need to find some new friends. <laughs> um, you find a new podcast. My next pick. I was not a teen when I saw this. I was older. 2004 Mean Girls. And <clears throat> I think this movie is really funny. I feel like a lot of people think this movie is really funny. Like adults, men. I don't women. think you're alone there. I don't think it was like an underrated film by any means. I know. I'm just saying. It's <laughs> I, as as an almost thirty year old, I still find it extremely funny. I just watched it yesterday. I watched a lot of teen movies yesterday. Obviously, I had nothing better to do. But anyway, I like that you did your research. I appreciate that. I did do my research. I didn't want John to say I could never come back. <laughs> but lay the hammer down. Anyway, right. anyway, Mean Girls. So. Like now, your evaluation will show that you came in with your research. <laughs> yes. Um, Let's I, hear it. I liked Mean Girls watching it as an adult because even though some of the stuff is like way too far-fetched, like at the end when everybody's like in a massive fight in the hallway and all that crazy stuff, I don't know if you guys know this, but girls are mean. Even, no. ni- even nice girls, Not the case. we are mean to each other, terrible to each other. And I feel like this movie... Did you just classify yourself as a nice girl? I I could be on either end of the spectrum, John. I mean, there's days. Pick a day. There's days. Pick a day, John. You know, but even even the nicest of girls, we have a mean streak. Like no matter what, whether you're openly mean, like mm-hmm. Regina George, or you are, you know, a Katie Heron, and you don't realize you can be mean until something happens. Mm-hmm. But um, the stuff like some of the things Regina would do, like. When she tells somebody, like, oh, my God, I love that outfit. Where did you get it? And when the person walks away, it's like, that is the ugliest fucking thing I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> that happens still yeah. in my life now as a 30-year-old. So, so what you're saying is Mean Girls applies mean girls throughout be- life. becomes Mean Women. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We judge each other. We're horrible. I'm just going to let that sit That's not out. news to any of us here. No, it's not news, but it is nice It is nice to hear someone confirm. <laughs> He's admit it. Yeah. It's, here, it's nice to have a nice girl here in the basement. So not only do I not have Steve as a friend anymore, but my girlfriends that are listening to this, <laughs> let's be honest, they're not listening to this. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, if they, if they did where's, listen, where's <laughs> if they did listen, they don't want to be friends with me anymore. No, I think Mean Girls is a good choice. Like, I Actually, we, we were talking before about like Clueless and Mean Girls before we recorded, and I think that it's kind of like a nice refresher of Clueless. A different kind of, I guess, comedy, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, it kind of does, like, revitalize that type of teenage high school rom, you know, or not even really rom, well, a little bit of romance, but... Tina Fey wrote it, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just, I mean, it's, it's. I mean... It's very... You need to say nothing more than that to, as far as, like, why is this movie funny? I mean, she's just, she's just an incredible writer, and she's great at dialogue and great at writing, like, funny character-revealing jokes that's a great movie the weird part about mean girls especially lately tim meadows very weird so weird in that movie is that mean girls has become like the blueprint for pretty much every sort of like have you ever seen that show awkward and like uh rj burger and all of those shows well they're primarily mtv shows and some of the like i don't know is uh, are those upn shows or some of those a lot of those shows are like based on this sort of that concept. kind of world. Yeah, that kind of world that Tina Fey kind of created, and, and it's pretty amazing. Definitely one of the best teenage movies I've ever seen. One of the funniest, definitely, yeah. if not the funniest. 
Yeah, it's definitely one of the funniest. And it's like a good, like Steve said, a good revitalization for mm-hmm. like a new yeah. up and coming. Yeah, like very female, you know, a female driven comedy where, where yeah. really the guys are just like, I mean, they're Tim non Meadows. factors. Yeah, yeah, Tim Meadows, <laughs> right. Like they just kind of are there, you know, where with Clueless, like some of the guys played a little more prominently. But I think that, like, you know, even, even for Mean Girls, like even kind of pa- not paving a way, but just like kind of clicking refresh on the screen for. Like a movie like Easy A that came out a little bit after that, which I thought was really good as that well. That was a great movie. Same that kind of thing. That was one I didn't see, but it's like that was there were three or four when I was looking at the list of just teen movies that if you go on Wikipedia, there's uh-huh. there's they're 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 categorized by decade. Yeah. And that was one where I realized there's a lot of movies that I've heard in recent years were good. Like that one was one for sure that I just I never heard anyone say anything bad about it. Yeah, and it's, it just kind of seems like totally see it's it. really good. Yeah. yeah. It's in that same kind of world, I think, too. There's like kind of Ronald was saying it kind of it, it kind of set it back up to say, okay, let's go into this world and yeah. make some comedy out of this. And that's what a lot of shows and movies kind of have done since then. It's very self-aware. I think yeah. that's one of the things that kind of makes that movie and movies that are great like it so good is that it's it's almost like so self-aware that it's making fun of itself, making fun of things. Which is, but it's also depicting a world where there's there's all these cliques and there's all these people, but they do kind of interact. I mean, even with the kind of Mean Girl stuff that you were just talking about, Lauren, it's like these people are sort of polite to each other's faces in some weird way, you know. So it's like these well, people. Well, you have are, to be polite these to somebody's face. Coexist- but I'm just saying these people are coexisting. It's like there's no. It's not like there's a bully that gets taken down and there's a good guy and there's a bad guy. It's like even in these movies, the the, the, the kind of nasty kids that are sort of mean, that they're. You're supposed to sort of see that it's almost like a natural relationship yeah. that you have the kind of you've got the losers and you've got the cool kids and you're not really supposed to think that the cool kids are villains necessarily. Do you know what I mean? You're supposed to just kind of think this is the ecosystem yeah. of a high school and and everyone kind of has their little their little niche. Which is one of the things back to spectacular now I loved when the, the conversation they're having about everybody having their thing and she says, "Well, people, you know, you have I think more people than are one more thing. than one." And I think that that was one of the things about that movie that really seemed like a comment on teen movies in general is that, you know, that concept that you are either you're either one of the cool kids or one of the uncool kids and that most people are actually kind of a, a mix. Sure. Good pick. Yeah. Thanks. Good pick. Way to round it out. <laughs> Yay. Uh, my final pick and probably one of my like this is the pick on this list that is that high school movie for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw this movie going into my senior year of high school it's like kind of encapsulates everything that I wanted high school to be, uh, you know, like the party that I always wanted to go to, but honestly never did, and all the characters that you know you could probably point out and say I knew that guy or you know that guy was there, but it's uh, 1998's Can't Hardly Wait. Fuck. Um, did you have another pick? No, he 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 was gonna throw it out there. I guess I don't know. I definitely have that. What's that? I definitely had that. Uh, the. Uh, Lauren, I feel like Ronald's throwing off for you. <laughs> no, seriously. Because it's like he's pulling out all of his all of his Ronald tricks, like the non sequiturs, the sudden exclamations, followed by a slow stare, <laughs> quiet stare. <laughs> I really have that like at the top of my. Well, then but, why didn't you? You've gone through your three. Why didn't you say it? I went through my. Th- has this been three already? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is on our third one. <sighs> That's it, buddy. You can have it as an honorable mention. I have it as an honorable mention, too. Or you can just talk You just let me finish, and then you could also say, good pick, Steve. (laughs) So, yeah, Can't Hardly Wait. I I literally saw this movie at least six times that summer. Mm -hmm. And there are friends that can attest to that if you guys need In theaters, you paid to see it six times. In theaters. You spent $60. Well, 1998, it wasn't $10 a head, so let's keep perspective here, Lauren. Um, (laughs) It was just such a fun time. Like... 
that year going into 99, there were tons of these high school comedies coming out, but this was like the one for me. Everything we talked about before about like the soundtracks, I mean, this soundtrack is ridiculous. If you were a fan of 90s music and going through high school in the mid to late 90s, everything is on the soundtrack that came out. But then if you're good, you make your own playlist of every song featured in a movie, and that's even better. And if you're friends with Steve on your birthday, you get a copy of that. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. You get welcome. a copy of every song that's been in You're welcome. Can't hardly wait. Don't act like it wasn't the best gift you got that year. Best gift I got so, that Third year. So Third Eye Blind Smash I just Mouth. celebrated a birthday this summer. I don't remember oh, getting so. any. It's, uh, it's to check your spam filter. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you drop box why, why, yeah. didn't, why didn't you give me an actual I got an actual disc. Oh. I got a physical copy. Well, I, I We're a little more. I told Steve I don't really like. I don't like. He doesn't like discs. He knows I don't like discs. What are you talking about? We're a little technology. Uh, savvy, you know. Yeah. I didn't want to leave any room for error. I have an Apple computer too, people. Oh, okay. So yeah, this movie. So Jennifer Love Hewitt, I'm like oh. number one forever on my laminated list of celebrity beauties. Whatever. She's John. your number one on the list. So Lard, laminated list. Sure. Does, that, does laminated list imply that you're actually whacking off to the list and having? You got to keep it, it clean. <laughs> I just just the list alone. We've just had the, conversations before. The side of these women's ladies, names. But you never said number. So Jennifer, no, Love, Jennifer Love Hewitt, if, if you truly gotcha. know me, always will forever be number one. Um, so just her involvement in this movie. You know, obviously, like I loved her in Party of Five and, and Mickey Mouse Club and things. Like, oh no, no, uh, Kids, Kids Incorporated. Incorporated. Uh, we, that was a tie. Kids so yeah, yeah. So so Jennifer Love Hewitt. In this film, as Amanda Beckett, Ethan Embry, Preston Myers. Uh, I mean, the cast is huge. A lot of people that are like bigger in comedy now, like Donald Faison was in it. Uh, Seth Green is in it. Uh, Brecken Meyer, Jason Segel. A lot of people that are in smaller roles, like, you know, they're mm-hmm. big now. But I don't know, something about this movie, it was like just, I know I said it already, but it's like everything that you wanted that big party, that senior year, graduating, the night of, the party where you finally go for the girl that you've wanted since the day you met her in freshman year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just the circumstances that lead to it, prevent it, allow it, whatever whatever you want to pull out of this movie. It's not a great film if you want to, like, talk about <laughs> filmmaking, Mr. Walker. <laughs> yeah. but, but, no, 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 no. <laughs> but I'm telling you right now, this movie is, like, one of my all-time favorites, quoted all the time. I've seen it way I'm too many times. Trying not to show disdain on yeah. my face right now. <laughs> You're sweating, John. I can see You're fighting it too hard. Oh god, the disdain is showing. Um, yeah, just an awesome soundtrack, and it, the movie is like it, it. It's on a lot of top lists for like teen movies. It didn't really do that great. I feel like if I had been a teenager reacting to a movie like Mean Girls or Easy A, this is it's the yeah. same kind of thing. Timing was everything with this for me. Like this was like it was the summer before my senior year. So it was like, oh, dude, this is fucking what's going to happen. This is like, this is what's up next year. And so, you know, obviously it wasn't what was up next year, but it was just really great. A lot of, a lot of great, I mean, Seth Green's character in the movie as like the ultimate white boy who thinks he's not white. Um, I think there was a term for that, wasn't there? Yeah, it was. What was uh, it called, please, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> He quoted Tupac. I remember uh, that. Um, according to the Wikipedia site, which is wikipedia.com, mm-hmm. I think it's a term called... <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> I can say that. Can I say that? No, please don't. I can't say that? I hate that term. It makes my balls feel weird. <laughs> so, such a weird term. Anyway, Seth Green's character, I thought he was awesome. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's probably the one you quote the most from this movie, or at least my friends and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, just hilarious and... I really He's like a young Caucasian man with identity issues. Yes. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, okay. That works. Yeah. Um, 
I really want to say this word. Please. But don't. anyway, okay. So, but 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 the thing I kind of like to, to connect my picks is that I think that like Preston Myers was very much like Lloyd Dobler. He was very much like the guy that was you know kind of had a lot of friends and like no enemies. Like everybody knew him, and every, and you see that at this party that he goes to. Everybody knows who Preston is. Like when mm-hmm. she goes around asking who's Preston, and everybody's got their opinion of him, and it's like always like he's a nice guy. And it's just the girl that never knew about him or never was aware of him. And it's just kind of like, I don't know, I just love the way the movie ends, the soundtrack. And uh, just, yeah, it's just a great... The, the quintessential high school comedy for me is, is Can't Hardly Wait, period. End of sentence. End of sentence. That's what that, period means. Yep, that's what it is right there. Well, I'm glad that you ended your list with a movie that's all about how fun high school can be. Because my last movie is not a fun movie at all. It is funny. It's darkly funny. But it's one where I didn't realize until... I I definitely thought of it on this list. And it was one that I almost considered not putting on. Because I think this is technically... These kids might be a little younger than than the high school setting that you would picture. But I think technically... Are we considering 12 as as a teen, maybe? (laughs) Maybe now we would call that person Again, we can round up. Yeah, we can round up. 12 teen. But uh, from 1995, uh, Welcome to the Dollhouse. Oh man, what a great! Written movie. and directed by Todd Solondz. I haven't seen that movie in so probably long. probably still my favorite Todd Solondz movie. I think that like or how do you say his name? Is it Solondz? Solondz. Sure. Um, but it there there was something about the way this movie captured that we were talking about it a little bit earlier. That kind of in betweenness of you're not a kid anymore, and yet no one's really taking you seriously yet as an as a you know someone who's getting close to being an adult. So right at that middle school age. There's a scene early in this movie where she's been chastised by her parents and she's in a room and her friend comes to visit her and her sister basically answers the door and tells her friend, no, she can't come out to play. She's being, she's being punished. And it's her friend, her little, she's like a seventh grade girl, but her best friend is a fifth grader and they yeah. have a special persons club or something like that, uh, that they, had, they meet <laughs> in her backyard. And she's just, if you just take all the awkwardness of that age and then you add everything on top of that that could make someone's existence harder. I mean, she's such an incredibly awkward character, but it was a very... ScarJo. It's an interesting... It's not ScarJo. It is? It's Heather no. Matarazzo. It's Heather Matarazzo. Ghost World. Ghost yeah. World. I, think I confuse those movies all the time. But, but, with, uh, but with, with this character, there's a scene where she's just sitting on the edge of her bed... It's a strange couple of movies to confuse, by the way. That um, too. <clears throat> but she's sitting on the edge of her bed, and she's she's just kind of clutching the edge of the mattress, just sitting there in her room. And that this look on her face, she's like this little girl, but she's got this intensity about her. And I yeah. think, I mean, I think we can all remember that you're never more of a prisoner than when you're like twelve or thirteen, <laughs> because you're old enough to have these kind of worldly thoughts and to be inquisitive about things, but you're still totally under your parents' thumb, you know, in most cases. And so it's just. It's just, and then you take on top of that being kind of an uncool kid. She's extremely unpopular. No one is really nice to her in the whole story. It could be seen as a really dark movie that do you, where you feel like you're just laughing at this character, but somehow the movie manages to make you identify with her rather than kind of feeling like she's just a loser. I mean, it's definitely, again, she's not like a character you would choose to identify with, but <laughs> there's something about her, the way that she sort of, there's almost like an innocence to her that carries her through all this just hatred and mistreatment and cruelty she has to suffer. On top of that, there's some really funny pieces in this movie. I do think some of the acting is really naturalistic. And I think the weird, like the boy she ends up kind of in a relationship with starts off just threatening to rape her and keep telling her that he's going to rape her, which is so over the top and crazy. But then what he actually does when they finally meet and they're alone is he just wants to kiss her. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's an, he's a 12-year-old idiot too, you know, so... 
I don't know. I thought this movie really captured something that a lot of other films don't want to look at, which is just just how how dark and twisted it can be to be a kid. And and yeah, Welcome to the Dollhouse from 1995. I I heard that he killed Wiener Dog off. Like in the, there's oh, another yeah, movie yeah, later that he movie. made where yeah. they're attending her funeral, and we find out in that movie supposedly that she got pregnant and killed herself. It's like dark, which horse to me feels like it makes this movie a little know. too dark in retrospect. Yeah, like I like if to you th- find that out at the end of this movie. I would like to think that we're allowed to believe maybe she gets out of this mess, but I mean, I guess that's just not Todd Solondz's aesthetic is right, to say right. this character got out of this mess. But this movie taken on its own terms, I think, I think is it was a really dark horse is a really uh, yeah. is a really interesting and unique movie, and I don't I still don't think he's topped it. Cool. So are we gonna review? Is that? There's no need for review. I don't think. Does anybody go? have any no. also rants just oh, to yeah, throw yeah, out there? Ronald yeah. obviously does because he didn't realize he yeah, already okay. put his three out there. Can I rattle these off? Yeah, rattle okay. them off. Cruel intention. Cruel intention. <laughs> boom that. roasted. Rushmore. Boom roasted. She's all that, which what? is up there with uh, can't hardly wait to me. Um, and submarine. Oh, okay. Submarine. Good coming of age movie. Parent trap. Can we? That was, were they teenagers? Or was that middle school? <laughs> Maybe even elementary school. I don't know. Fuck. I don't know. That's not the same. I'm just kidding. That's not the same. Yeah, so those are my rando picks. What about you, Lauren? And boy, sorry. So, I had Can't Hardly Wait on my honorable mention, 10 Things I Hate About You. I almost went a different direction with my theme, and it would have been 10 Things I Hate About You, um, Romeo and Juliet, and the movie O, and obviously they're all, you know, modernized Shakespeare um, but, I love Julia um, Stiles. I didn't want to pick. I didn't want to do that because I thought Romeo and Juliet. It is on my honorable mention list as a teen movie, and that movie was one of the most. I feel like that's one of the movies when I was that young that actually like made me love movies at the time. Mm-hmm. So I had to add it on my honorable mention, but I didn't want to do like a whole thing about that. Right. Um, now and then, and did you guys ever see Now and Then? Yeah, no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of like. Stand by me for girls. Absolutely modernized. It's it's that same like adventure summer. They're kind of like uh, they're teenagers. I'm pretty sure, but they're like young teenagers just going through like a lot of different hardships. All four of them have different things, and it also shows them as adults like coming back together. One of them's having a baby, and they all like have a pack to come to you know get back together. What else is on here? Um, Empire Records. I freaking love Empire Records. I mean, what's I don't have anything else to say besides I love that movie. <laughs> and I also okay, I'm a sucker for a dance movie. I love anything having to do with dances. I will I, I do not discriminate, but um can't or save the last dance and bring it on and like step like up any on. of those movies. I'm a sucker. I'll I'll Julia see it. Styles, Ronald. Julia Styles, dance. man. It's your girl. She has dead eyes, but she's such a beautiful woman to me. You can get past the dead eyes. She's just very like <laughs> They can't see your eyes. Is that what attracts you to her? <laughs> I don't know. She's beautiful. Did you like her on Dexter? Yes. Yeah, she was pretty. Yes. Um, my other, my last. Wasn't album... she coked up in a movie? I feel like in that drug transport movie, transporter, trans, <laughs> transporter. Lauren, this is what happens. <laughs> uh, Where am I? Is he, this real life? <laughs> he, he's up past his bedtime. He's. You know, he gets sleepy. His new job, he can't it's be a little, out past a ten. A little bit loopy after like the, the the hour and fifteen minute mark. She was a drug <laughs> mule. Did drug movie? It began with a T. Traffic. Traffic. Was she she was in that, right? I didn't even see. Yes, that. she was. Yes, she was. 
<laughs> you got us, Ronald. Man, when it comes to Toy listing, when it comes to listing irrelevant Julia Stiles films, <laughs> you have won. There's no better than Ronald. Um, so yeah. I didn't get to say my last one. Last Easy one? A. Easy A. I okay, say not, not, right. about that. not your time. Um, ones that haven't been mentioned. I had uh, the Girl Next Door with uh, oh, Elizabeth Barrett and Emil Hirsch. Kind of, sort of up there with Can't Hardly Wait for me. Um, the American Pie films, mainly oh, yeah, American yeah. Pie, the first one, but mm-hmm. sit the same high school geared ones. I had Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, one of the more recent ones for me, and I was really fighting for it, was uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Mm-hmm. That Great movie order. knocked me out last year. Yeah, I, I don't good. even understand how, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how. The, the Outsiders. Some kind of wonderful you mentioned, John. Yeah. Um, Ferris, you mentioned. Dead Poet Society. And, oh, yeah. Uh, Days and Confused. Oh, Days and Confused is a great one. I, I forgot to say that. I, I forget. That was, that was an yeah, Days and Confused amazing might be, movie. Yeah, wow. I, I feel I bad. I didn't even think didn't about even, that. That's, that almost made it. That, it almost that probably would have been on my list just because it's another... It's a, it's such a snapshot. I mean, it's such a great cross-section of characters yeah. and... and uh, there's just too many movies. It's not and your And Batman fault. gets paint dumped on him in it. <laughs> uh, movies, yeah. Ferris Bueller, I feel bad that no one picked it, but, you know, John Hughes definitely got his day in the sun. Yes. But let's just say that Ferris Bueller was one of the more, like, inventively made movies. Sure. That, that when you see that movie, when, when when I first saw that film, there was something about the fact that it was made so well and it was a teen movie. They really pulled out the stops with all the production tricks and stuff. It really is, you know, I, I think it might age better than a lot of the other movies of its era just because it was funny and fast and, and kind of seemed to take place in this alternate universe. It suffers a little bit from that thing where the, all the parents are idiots, idiots but, yeah. but that's kind of part of the joke. I also, I had to, you know, I had to at least flirt with the idea of putting Superbad on my list. I thought that was a movie that that really captured that end-of-school feeling, that friendship that you have, and that question of can you carry that friendship forward once you are no longer going to school together. I thought that movie had a real sweetness at its core. And I think, if anything, maybe the backlash or the the lack of mention of that in recent years has to do with just kind of how oversaturated we feel like maybe we've been with Jonah Hill and Michael Cera and all those guys. But that movie still seems to me to exist... Before that was the case, and they were just interesting young actors. Another movie from, let's see what year this came out. In 1987, this was a, like an HBO classic when I was a kid, but I saw it, I never saw it in the theaters, but it definitely was one that I watched a lot on cable, and that's uh, Three O'Clock High, a movie by Phil Joanu. He was the guy that dire- he directed a lot of rock videos. It's a, it's a great movie where this guy is basically in the opening of the movie, he... There's a new student at his school, and everyone's talking about this kid. He's a delinquent who has, like, you know, known to be very violent. And he comes to the new school, and our kind of nerdy hero accidentally runs afoul of him, like in the first scene, and they're supposed to have a fight. And the whole movie takes place over the course of this day, where at 3 o'clock, this kid knows he's going to get his ass kicked in front of the whole school. Did that involve a library? He spends the whole movie trying to weasel out of it. That involve a library and somebody getting punched? Yeah. Yes, that movie is incredible. It's great. It's great. And I it's, remember it's that actually scene. shot really well and shot really. It's another one. That that's was directed the name of, I movie. never knew the name of that movie. Yeah, Three O'clock High. That's a great one. Because I always remember the. Yeah. The library. The library and the falling. <laughs> yeah, that's like his. He's got. It's a weird that there's a library. The yeah, the nerdy guy movie. who's running from the bully and that he's got like a big friend that's that tries to clean up the problem for him. Basically yeah. says you're gonna leave him alone and then the bully like flattens the the guy's kind of. I never knew that's. Yeah. I gotta write that down. I no. never knew that was the name of that movie. Oh, I forgot one. You said a big guy, small guy, Angus. Okay, yeah. I watched it recently. Love that movie. 
But I was going to say, the throw in the Days of Confused. I think Matthew McConaughey's character in Days of Confused is probably one of my favorite movie characters of all time. Mm-hmm. Wooderson. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Maybe you can grab a soundbite. Maybe all send right, us out right, with that. Right, yeah. Right. yeah, that one and the one about what he loves about high school girls. I mean, I I mean think... those those quotes are like like top five. And for it's me. like every Matthew McConaughey does great work. I yeah, mean, he yeah, does. Yeah. He'll be great in things, but not always. But he definitely can be great. And recently, he's had a pretty good run. But I think all the affection people have for him. No matter how many crappy romantic comedies he made with Kate Hudson, you could always go back to Wooderson and just love the guy. It's like, I don't, I'll, just a little dose of Wooderson, and I'm back to loving McConaughey. Yeah. He only made one crappy movie with Kate Hudson. What was the that? other one was delightful. Uh, what was the crappy one? Fool's, Fool's Gold. Gold. I like but Fool's Gold. But How's a Guy in Ten Days? You didn't like that? Love it. I like Fool's Gold. You may not have seen it. You know what? <laughs> I did. No, I may that be guilty. Horrible, you know what? You've caught cool. me. Well, I may be guilty on. of having profiled that movie as not my type of thing and Fool's not watching it. Steve digs it. I love that movie. So I should see it? How to Lose a Guy? Oh, yeah. it's great. It's and one of the did better... Did it help you lose a guy? What's that? Did it help you out with losing a guy? Multiples. Multiples, Multiples yeah. Fool's Gold was not that bad. Fool's <laughs> Gold, <laughs> <laughs> not that bad. Ronald, it's right I there mean, it in the title of the film. Kevin Hart was the villain in that movie. It's horrible. I'll watch it again, Ronald. I'll double. I'll try watch to, it again. I'll, I'm gonna give it another look. See, that was that was another HBO movie. HBO Save used to hit people Save over the head. I'm, with I'm, no, movie. I'm gonna do it for Ronald. You guys always gang up on What's him. What's the one that was Jessica Parker? Failure to launch. Oh my god, that not was good. Too. Yeah, that was bad. He struck what? out with those. What man? Matthew McConaughey had this pocket of shitty movies. It was. And then last year and he Sahara. was in. Last year Sahara? he was in like four great ones. I didn't know? see Sahara. That, was, oh, that was like his big. That was like what. That that's kind of where he like. Yeah. Pe- it, like he was peaking, but then that's kind of where he went down. Like that was like the big, like desert, uh, like adventure film with Steve Zahn. I don't know if oh, remember yeah. that at all. Steve Zahn. That's when he was just like. I love Steve Zahn. I'd rather be off naked playing bongo. Yeah, because that's it. Um, but yeah, so I think one thing we've shown tonight is that a criminal, an athlete, a princess, a basket case, and a brain could get together. I think it's one too many, isn't it? There's five. That's five. There's four of us. Oh. The fifth uh, man. Is wait a minute. Which one of us? Now that I'm thinking about it, which one of us is the criminal? Which one of us is the athlete? Well, obviously I'm the princess. Yeah. Clearly. I can do double duty as basket case and brain. <laughs> I'm so, the principal. You're the principal. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not even here. <laughs> oh goodness. You you think you don't think we have any potential at all? You think we're just a bunch of waste toys? <laughs> he was just mean to them, but yeah. That was That's weird. why he was so great, though. He was such an asshole. Is that really how people act? Is that is that a quote from the movie? That's a direct quote, I think. You may have been watching the reggaeton uh, remix of Breakfast Club. <laughs> Did I pronounce oh, reggaeton man. correctly? Yeah, okay. Right. Next time I'm asked to be on the podcast, I'm going to prepare some voices. Donald <laughs> does voices. He does do voices. Too many. Too many. He has like three, though. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's all that voice. Similar. It's uh, Elmo and, uh, Keith and Keith David. Those are our monies. Oh, my God. Speaking of Keith David, I'm playing Saints Row. Have you have you heard of that video game? No. Mm-hmm. So in the future, in the future... There's this gang that that like gets is like legitimate. You you play the main character, but the vice president of the United States is Keith David, as he should be. In real, like he plays himself. In if the there's video. anything that this podcast would ever produce, it should be two things: <laughs> that film studios should pay Ronald for the slogans on their movie posters, yes. and that games should obviously 
pay him to write the synopsis for their game for the back yeah. of the box. Because <laughs> if they did, I mean, what game would not succeed with this guy, what it is? The, 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 the beginning sentence is this fucking, and then gang or group or school, this fucking. You can basically just sell that as like a template. You can license it out. Like you can use this for your game. It'll work every time. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> every time. All right, all right. So let's wrap this up. Well, thank you for joining us, Lauren. Thanks, Thanks Lauren. Thank you so much fun. for coming. Yeah. Thank you. We'll see you in another uh, 73 episodes. I thought we were doing another 74. episode right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that late. We should do it's it. It's way past Ronald's it's bedtime. Past do you see bedtime. how he's acting right now? Loopy. Yeah. <laughs> Loopy. So some awesome movies. I mean, you guys definitely threw out some of the other ones that I would have had on my list, so I'm, I'm glad you... Did that? Yeah. <laughs> Allowed me to say some other ones. These are some of my favorite movies. I mean, this is one of my favorite genres, so it's cool to be able to talk about it. This is a fun episode. And thank you, Spectacular Now, for being so damn good and, and giving us the idea to talk about other great teen movies. Yes. Well, I, someone's <laughs> got to say it. I'm waiting for Steve to say it. I thought someone's going to lead me into it. Well, you know what we always say. <laughs> As always, <laughs> you made our day. Rest in peace, wiener dog. I go crazy.